Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is the show where we share cutting edge strategies on acquiring leads and sales for your business through paid traffic. I'm Kasim and I'm joined by my illustrious and much more proficient podcast host, as I have been reminded many times, including right before us recording this episode, Ralph Burns. Ralph, thanks for being here. Oh, stop it. Well, you're such a big shot now. Like I, I run second to you now is, is what I'm thinking about this whole professional traffic thing. So it's yeah, just a matter of time be before you're doing the intros and here you are doing them. You've nailed that one. Stole the intro spotlight. <laughs> oh man we already talked about how we saw each other when we were in like the final days of traffic and conversion summit have you fully recovered since then have you gone no, back to like it takes weeks normal costume no it takes weeks yeah and now i'm going to germany for the affiliate summit so it's just as soon as you recover from one thing you have to go do the other thing that's the life of being a star yeah you brought it upon yourself <laughs> this is my fault <laughs> Oh, man. Pretty excited about our guest here today. And before we get into that, is there some kind of promotion on DM that we need to keep mentioning here? Well, would you look at there? There is a promotion, Ralph. <laughs> a podcast host you are. <laughs> yeah, Digital Marketer Lab, which has always been a deal. It's always been like a steal and a half. They've rolled in all 12 Digital Marketer certifications, which incidentally, you used to have to pay for independently. As a matter of fact, I did. Uh, to the tune of a thousand bucks a pop, you can now get $12,000 worth of digital marketing certifications as part of your Met lab membership for $95 a month. And to get that, where do they need to go, Ralph? They need to go over to perpetualtraffic.com forward slash lab. Awesome. It's funny because there's a couple of trainings in there that I still do every year. And I always tell my team this because one of the cool things about our guest here today is like the constant evolving nature of digital marketing and advertising in general. But there's certain things that always hold true. And it's the Ryan Dice courses inside that you, that you get for free, literally right. for like $95 a month. This thing has personally, it's probably made me, I know it, millions of dollars, but it's thousands and thousands of dollars worth of value that you're getting inside this thing. I know we, we push it. There's all kinds of different courses in there. There's certifications. We have our entire staff go through the, all the certifications. It's crazy. And you can get it now just for 95 bucks a month. So seriously, it's like a no brainer of no brainer, perpetualtraffic.com forward slash lab. No brainer. Now, to welcome our guest, Depeche Mandalia of SM Commerce, 
wicked smart Facebook guy. I had him on my YouTube channel recently and he blew up YouTube. So we decided to have him on Perpetual Traffic. Depeche, thanks for being here, man. Appreciate you. Amazing. Listen, I've seen you guys crushing it with the podcast for years and I've, it's been a mini goal of mine. So I'm not going to fanboy too much, but I'm super excited to be here. You can fanboy as much as you want, Depeche. We'll hold for fanboying. I'll go, I'll go and grab my pom-poms and start jumping up yeah. and down. Yeah, groveling That's is good. Guessing yeah. up. <laughs> we take all that. Cash handouts. Cosm takes those as well. You know what I love is we had Depeche on the YouTube channel alongside Tom Breeze, and now it's Depeche here, and we've left Tom Breeze out. And I like the feeling of crushing his spirit a little bit. Depeche, we always like to, uh, we like to earn our listeners' trust with a nugget snippet hack trick best practice something that you really feel would provide some level of value to folks have you thy nugget yes i do so one of the challenges that we've had since i was 14 has been how to improve our reporting so we used to use off-the-shelf reporting and things like that and after i was 14 that data is kind of gone but what we're actually doing now in i'm hoping some people already know this but we use facebook's built-in reporting tool to merge data from multiple Facebook accounts, to bring in custom metrics, so you can create your own metrics inside of Ads Manager, and create some really good reports and dashboards for our clients within Facebook. And I think they've made some quiet but really good updates to their own internal reporting, their kind of reporting suite. And we don't use external tools anymore. Yes, we might bring in some data studio metrics when we look a bit broader, but don't sleep on Facebook's own reporting. It's really good. That's a great little tip because I have been sleeping on Facebook's reporting, to be honest with you. I just haven't trusted it anymore, but you're saying it's worth a revisit. Absolutely. Especially when you can push in your own kind of custom conversions and create your own metrics. You can create your own views of the data. It's really good. Yeah. If you're doing a good job with first party tracking too, I I bet you really kind of buttress everything. Absolutely. Yeah. So when you're merging ad account information together, like where do you apply that? Is it like a customer with multiple ad accounts and you blend everything together? Is that the... Yeah, so like sometimes there's a use case for multiple ad accounts, like the client wants to run North America separately from Europe and things like that. And sometimes you want to wrap up a a report. Sometimes you just want to see how things are doing globally. Or for example, like when we analyze our own agency accounts, we want to look at trends. What's the CPM trend across 40, 50 different accounts? What's happening in certain countries? You can break down the data and see what's happening. So those kind of things are, I think, quite useful and probably underused. So it's more of just going back and re-familiarizing yourself with it if you've forgotten about it. I think everyone, the reporting has gotten far more granular. I probably haven't looked at it in a couple of weeks, and they've probably added even more stuff to it. But just custom conversions alone is worthwhile to use their reporting for sure. And just to clarify for some of the listeners, there's a difference between the reports in Ads Manager and the actual reporting link in the Meta Suite. So just to clarify, you have to go into the reporting link in the top left, that burger menu, and have a look at reports. You can save reports. We save different views, and it just makes it easier. You can get those emailed on the schedule and things like that as well. Yeah, you can automate them. You can even send them to your customers if you really wanted to. But do you guys pull it through Data Studio or some other third party to pretty it up or you send it as is in a lot of cases? We we kind of honestly just take screenshots, put it in a PDF and just file that over. Got it. There's probably uh, more glamorous ways of doing it, but these reports are pretty cool. At the end of the day, they just want to see how much money they made. And, And you can also share them with clients as well. Like You can just send the link to them and say, here's a report, go and look at your data. Do you guys, just out of curiosity, eight, three agency owners on a call, do you send reporting to your clients sterile or do you send context? Like we send a Loom video. Or do you, are you adding anything or do you just fire off a report? 
So the two things I want to share on this. So first of all, like we send context, something useful, like some nuggets, three, try and limit it to three main points or three main bullet points. Now, I remember about two years ago, so we were using a tool called Report Garden, and the account manager was just plowing through, sending through PDFs, downloading the PDF, not checking, which she was supposed to do, but not checking the PDF. And for about two weeks, blank PDFs were sent to clients. Not oh, one no. client complained. Not one client opened those reports. And it was just like, you know, sometimes you put so much effort into the, doing these reports and the client needs to see this, client needs to see that. Literally no one said anything. So That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, we kind of just brushed that under the carpet and moved on. So we shoot Loom videos on our reports and my client managers complain because you can see the analytics. Uh, and she, they say something very similar, like very few clients actually watch the video. We still have them do it though, because in my mind, it's a CYA game. It's plausible deniability. If the client ever brings something up later, it's Absolutely. dude, I sent you a report, we shot you a video, we offered you a meeting, like how much more do you want from me? Which maybe sounds a little combative. I'm just curious as to how y'all play. But today we're actually gonna talk about the Pixelless campaign, which is something that I'm pretty sure you invented. Is that fair to say? Well, the thing is, it just flowed in our conversation a few weeks ago. I wasn't planning to talk about it. We were just jamming and we've been doing this for nearly a year. So yeah, it just and that's now become a thing that I've even termed it with an acronym and stuff. So thanks for that. It's helping us to develop a new strategy. The acronym is hysterical, by the way, and we're going to get to that after this short break. Hold that. Ralph, did I just interrupt you? No. I saw you get real sad. No, I was just I'm trying to prompt you along here. Go ahead. Pick it up where All you right. left off. You're doing great. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. All right. So we're here with Depeche Mandalia, SM Commerce. And in Today's conversation with Depeche, we're talking about the Pixelist campaign, but Depeche, you created an acronym for this particular campaign construct. What is it? So it's a new one, and it's called PTSD, because unfortunately, if you are running Facebook ads, and you've been running Facebook ads 
for, for at least six months, 12 months, you probably have or still do suffer from a form of PTSD. Yeah. And what does PTSD stand for in this context? Pixelless Traffic System Design. Nice. And this is a whole ad formula that you're using and yeah. with great success, I think. Can you explain to us like what's the 50,000 foot overview? Yeah, the outcome is going back to what's happened with loss of data with iOS 14. I wanted to find a way of identifying my own audiences and improving my response rates for conversion for running direct response ads. And really what the PTSD formula allows me to do is to create new audiences that I can target, which are not available in Facebook. And I don't really care if Facebook lose all of their interests, like this strategy will persist. So really, I, it's, it was forced upon us. It wasn't something that I can say I had a brainwave and I wanted to do this. This is a response to some of the challenges from Apple. And it's about just being able to continue to reach audiences Understand context. If you look at Google search, Cassin, you're big in that. If you look at Google search, like context is huge. I'm looking for something. On Facebook, you need to sometimes create that context. What are people looking for? So the PTSD strategy helps me to understand that context, and I can serve them relevant ads into a relevant funnel or a product and convert them better. That's brilliant. And you had a couple of examples that you were giving us too, like specific implementation. What's the case study, if you don't mind diving a little deeper? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's different ways you can use this for different niches, and we're still exploring different ways of doing this. And for me personally, the one I love the most is I spend one hour every month with my video guy just shooting content. He'll then turn that into short 30 to 60 second Instagram friendly, Facebook friendly, TikTok friendly formats, and go and publish it out over a 30 day period using Agora Pulse. And that's great. Then what I realized is I can take that content, push it through an automation tool, and start to see which videos are getting the best engagement and then push those to larger, broader audiences on a higher spend and then to theme those videos. So let's say, for example, I want to target e-commerce store owners and I want to understand who's watching the video and what their pain points are. I can theme those videos based on that. So is it a pain of my store is now too expensive to run ads on Facebook, or is it my store's doing really well? How do I scale it? How do I get better performance? They're two very different ends of the spectrum when you come to running Facebook ads. So I can theme those videos and then create custom audiences from those. So now I have custom audiences where I know it's a store owner, e-commerce store owner, running Facebook ads, and either they have a pain point, which is, hey, it's not working anymore, or they have an opportunity. It's doing really great, but I don't know how to scale it. So then when I serve and add to those people, I can talk to their pain point or opportunity. And that's helped massively to cut through. Let's take a look at some of the problems. Lookalikes maybe not working as well as they used to be. Interests not working as well as they used to be. Some interests are being lost. I can bypass all that. I'm creating my own audiences. I'm going broad, which by the way, when you go broad on video view campaigns, is super cheap. And when I say broad, I'm just using gender and age. And sometimes maybe something like business admins, page admins, things like that, or interested in internet marketing. But I want to keep it as broad as possible, big audiences, and then use that data in the video to remarket people that have watched maybe 25% or 50% and create custom audience from that and serve them an ad that's relevant. And then to potentially turn that into a lookalike as well, because the, the data in that is, a, is far more accurate than what's in the pixel. I don't want to oversimplify what you're saying because I think it's truly brilliant, but really the entire paradigm lives inside of the fact that we're just going to keep everything, including potentially the call to action and the conversion event inside of the Facebook ecosystem. Yeah, I, I think that's the core of it, yeah. 
Yeah, and it's so tempting to want to take people outside of Facebook, but that's where your data dies. If you keep people inside of Facebook, you have complete, total 100% visibility. And that's the paradigm shift here. What is it that you can do within Facebook from a funneled perspective that gives you the ability to nurture prospects from the top to the bottom? And it sounds like there's a ton. And you've found a bunch of different ways to use Facebook's in-app mechanisms in order to kind of help feed the beast here. Absolutely. If you look at the in-app tools, so you have lead forms, you have Canvas ads, you have videos, even your page. If you run content to your page, you can target people that have engaged with your page. That's all, for want of a better word, zero-party data on Facebook that Apple, I wouldn't say they don't care about, but the iOS 14 directive looks at what the what happens once they click into a website and how that tracking is affected across the web. And this has come from Facebook. So I, I remember speaking to them when iOS 14 really kicked off and I said, how does this impact video views? How does this impact data on Facebook? And they said that isn't impacted as long as they're in the app. Facebook can c- continue collecting that data and use that data. So it's just the cog started whirring on how can I use that? How can I use the more accurate data in my campaigns? So I don't want to fight against the machine here. The machine is Apple and iOS and Facebook and all the kind of chaos that's ensuing. I'm trying to go with the flow. Where's the river going? And how can I catch a good drift here to kind of make things work? I love the content first strategy. Like we were talking before we hit record, we had an agency program that we, like now I'm thinking back to this and talking to the people inside Tier 11 agency or media buyers that worked really well. It was all about just putting helpful, useful content targeted to agency owners. And then we all we did is we then retargeted them, all those audiences, like a 25% video view audience, back to our call to action, as opposed to having that. We had ads going to the call to action, which was like a webinar registration, that kind of thing. But it worked really well. And the ones that got the best engagement, and it's now messed up our page a bit because we have lots of agency owners that come to our page, lots of would-be customers, it might be e-commerce, course creators, that kind of thing. So anyway, so take this with a grain of salt, but is that once they engaged, like as long as the content was good, they were like ready to buy because you would already, and then what we also did is we took like a series of our most popular six videos Anybody who watched the first video or the second video or third, fourth or fifth or sixth, 25%, we then cross-targeted them with the other videos. So by the time they actually got to like the call to action, they had already seen three or four or five videos, which we knew based upon just the popularity of the video, just teed them up. And my sales guy was like, this is like the easiest thing because everyone was so pre-framed to what it was that you were doing. And our cost per acquisition was well within our KPI, but this is pre-iOS. And I think people forget about these in-app audiences are not only super helpful because their data is pure. You're getting all your iOS people. There's no question about it. Like they're in there. You know, you're getting all your Android people too. But the point is, is like you're getting the best possible data through those in-app audiences and then using them as custom audiences as your seed. That's like, lights out smart. Hmm. And I think just to build on that, so like when we look at once we've collected that data and we remarket, so traditionally we would send them to a website, maybe a website funnel, webinar, email capture. So what we're now experimenting with is, okay, we have these audiences. What could we target them with that keeps them on Facebook so it keeps our data accuracy high? So we're now experimenting with using instant experiences, the old Canvas ads, to have landing pages that open on mobile in the app because the data tracking and retargeting is so much more accurate. 
and also using more in-app forms, which, by the way, for the last 12 months has been super successful, outperforming websites, email collection. But the trick here is introducing a speed bump. Don't make it easy for them to just drop that email in because they will and they'll forget and you'll send an email and they'll get annoyed. But for example, when we pushed out a lead magnet for agency owners, we had a drop down that said, what's your monthly income? And based on that, we gave them two directions. So what you can do in Facebook is, for example, I think it was if they selected less than 10K, then we gave them a link to join our Facebook group. If it was over 10K, then we gave them a link to book a call. I can't remember what the, exactly what the flow was, but you can do that. So that when you're capturing that email, you're giving better context and better quality to what you're collecting as well. In theory, on Facebook now, you could have your entire sales funnel in-app. Like even if you're an e-commerce store, like Facebook Shop That's or right. Facebook Shops, Instagram Shops, you've got instant experiences, used to be Canvas, you've got in-app engagement metrics, those who interact with your page, video views like you're talking about, somebody who opens up a lead form. Like in theory, and I know like whenever we talk to our partner manager, they always talk about this stuff, but it's like now thinking about it, it's like your entire ecosystem can be outside of any effect, like zero effect from iOS. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if you do it right, have you got experience with doing it that way? Because it's like, that's almost like the next logical extension and then going into shops and having your catalog set up and everything else. Have you gone that far? Because I know you have some e-commerce customers. As yeah, well. absolutely. So just a point on the partner reps. I think Facebook are terrible at selling their products. They don't train the products, the reps up. So the reps are just reading something that they're given and say, hey, Ralph, you should try this because I think it's going to work. Imagine those reps are actually running e-commerce stores and trying this stuff out. And they'd be like, Ralph, look, this is what I did. Here's exactly how I did it. And that's the thing that's missing. So it's left to people like us to hack around and figure things out. And I've actually gone back to Facebook many times. In fact, this PTSD strategy, I shared it with my rep last week. And she's like, wow, that's amazing. I'm like, yeah, it is. But like, I'm just... <laughs> doing what you think stuff of it? that you've right. been telling me I should be doing, but I put it in a way that actually makes money. So yeah, that, that's that. Now, the problem with shop and working with e-commerce clients is there's this fear of giving too much data to Facebook and Facebook are going to do things and own my data and stuff like that. So it is a harder sell and that's not a straightforward thing. So if we can get the traffic and push people into landers, and for example, for e-commerce, what works really well is using the straight, same strategy, but doing email collection. So Here's an offer for 10% off your first purchase. Give us your email kind of thing. So we're trying to get as much data away from the website as possible. And then once they're in email, we can obviously drop them back into the website. But we haven't yet fully cracked a Facebook-only campaign for e-commerce. And I think it's doable. It's just, I think we'd have to do it on our own store first and prove to clients is exactly how it works. I think there is that fear, right? I'm on Shopify. I don't want to give that control to Facebook. I want to own it. It's just sort of a, I don't know, more of a revelation than anything else. I don't think we have any experience with that. We've had a, a challenge with Facebook and Instagram shops, just in general, just as from an integration standpoint. But in theory, you could. And I remember when the iOS 14 update hit, like it was all about, hey, you know, let's do instant experiences. Let's do shops. Or it was called something. I was like Instagram shopping at that point. They've changed the name so many times. And it never really got back to it. And it's almost as an agency, you should try it. You should see, all right, what is my conversion going to be? Because instant experiences, like if you use them, like they really do work well. I, I just love the idea of your seed audience being from an audience that you know is 100% captured and pure. 
like that from, as a takeaway just in general. And even having seen it as an effective strategy in the past, it's like, man, why wouldn't you do it? And it just makes sense from a customer acquisition path standpoint. It's like, you're not really asking them for anything upfront. You're just giving them cool content, but that signals, all right, that person is interested in Black Friday, Cyber Monday for e-commerce. So therefore, that video is going to be my seed audience for a lookalike audience. And oh, by the way, I'm going to target them with ads specific to that message. That's even like next level good. But it's, yeah, I do think the, the meta reps are not quite as good, although we love our partner manager. I will say that. They're great people, she, for sure. Because she listens to the show too, and her boss's boss. So here I am sucking up. No, I'm kidding. No, we really do like them. But like there, we have found many cases, just like you said, it's they don't have the experience like you do running actual ads or e-commerce store owners running their own business. So you got to test it out on your own for sure. The, the analogy I like to use is like being a racing driver in a race car. So the race car is Facebook and the rep comes up to you and they've studied race craft and driving cars, but they've never sat inside. And they're like, Ralph, look, this car does 0 to 60 in three seconds. And this is how you drive it and stuff like that. But you're like, but what if you floor it going around the corner? Would it not spin? Not sure. I haven't actually driven it before. So if they could actually get into the race car and experience it, they'd give you a far better experience. Like I've pushed Facebook for years to just think about doing this. Even like, for example, if you're in the e-commerce nation, by the way, if you're a freelancer or an agency and you're doing e-commerce, I, should, I always recommend having your own store just to play with. But that should also be the case for partner reps. They should be given ad spend, either like an affiliate deal and just go and drive traffic to an affiliate partner or an e-commerce store or lead magnets and just go and experience it for yourself because i'm telling you like that it would 100x the benefit for everyone involved in facebook the partner reps etc now the caveat i'll give and this came from a senior vp at facebook these reps get to a certain level where they realize do i need a salary or could i maybe start my own business on facebook and mm. that becomes a problem because then you train them too well and they're like hey i can just run my own business and run my own agency or e-com so i, I get that side of it as well for People like me, if I think about where I was eight years ago, nine years ago, I didn't know where to go for help with Facebook ads. And unfortunately, Facebook didn't have the support. And I don't think yet they've fully cracked how to support. And fortunately, there's people like us that do hack around and learn and share and podcasts like this keep people close to what's working and hopefully profitable as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, so the pro tip of you should have your own store just to tinker around. That's a, that's easy to glaze over, but I think that might be one of the smartest things a business owner can do. Until you're running your own ad, spending your own money, you'll never understand your clients ever. Mm. And uh, I've seen it uh, for myself too, actually. I've seen it a couple of times where, you know, when the paradigm shifts and you're on the other end of the table, you become like that needy, unreasonable, over-anxious client. It, all of us, I don't know, try to bat away and you realize how much justification there is for some of the concerns that the clients have. I think it just, it lends itself to a significant degree of empathy. Yeah. And you, you get a different perspective. So like now you're running your own e-commerce store, you're concerned about margin, you're concerned about availability, you're concerned about customer service. And sometimes it's easy to forget that as an agency or service provider. So if you're running ads for a client, there's so much more that the client has to keep an eye on. It's not just, hey, here's our ROAS and we spent this and we got that. 
aren't we doing a great job? But yeah, but what's happening elsewhere? What's the refund rates like? And what's the retention? What's the lifetime value? They're things that you understand a lot better when you're inside the business. Absolutely true. I think one of the more helpful folks, this is before the partner manager program, but it was just one of our reps was an affiliate prior to joining Facebook. And I think it was like our first manager, like our first rep that we actually had. And it was super helpful. We could speak the same language. He knew stuff. Like he was really good. Moved on. Like I think that's there's a tendency to happen. Some of the folks that are good end up ascending through the organization. Like we've had so many different partner managers and a lot of them were really good. I'm not kidding you. And they were because they had background in e-commerce agency too, like that kind of stuff. But having your own e-commerce store, there's nothing like it. It's like starting off and I know you have an affiliate background. Once you're spending your own money, (laughs) it's your own money. It's real money. There is no better learning mechanism because yeah, it might turn the hairs on your beard a little bit gray, but there's nothing like that pressure because you're burning the boats every single day. I'm spending X amount, hopefully making X amount plus. There's no better lesson to learn internet marketing. That's for damn sure. Well, one of our um, agency values is to treat your treat our clients' business like your own. You use their spend as if it's your own. But it's hard to explain what that actually means until you've done something like that. So I think it lends itself into that kind of thing that unless your media buyers, even in your team, whether it's in-house or agency or whatever, have actually spent their own money, they won't have that understanding of what does it mean to care that, all right, I spent $1,000 today and my ROAS is 0.5 and my target is 2x. Like the media buyer will go home, come back the next day and say, all right, I'll try again. But that client's made a loss there. What does that mean for the client? Are they going to be okay with that? Are they happy? And it's just a different level of accountability there as well. Yeah, yeah. That can be taken two ways. Sometimes we've actually had the situation where media buyers take it so personally, they can't go home at night unless they actually figure out some kind of solution if they have a bad day. And they sort of realize, you know, it's one day and things ultimately work out. Obviously, this is a 72-hour window on Facebook right now where you wait for some of the results to come back in. But yeah, it can go in the extreme. I don't certainly one of the core values that you have to have. You're looking for an agency if you're a business owner. That that's got to be a core value. Otherwise, you're just very few pay for performance kind of agency models out there where it's like they hurt as much as you do if they don't have a good day. So, I think it's a must. It's a must. Y'all, we've been talking to Depeche Mandalia. Uh, SM Commerce about pixelless traffic and now the ethics of media buying. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, Depeche is going to share his favorite tools. We're going to do a little tool time before we zoom out. So stick around, let us pay the bills, and we'll see you in a minute. Hey guys, it's Cosm here. And I'm so sorry to be the doom and gloom guy, but I'm hoping this acts as a bit of a wake-up call for you. We've been talking a lot about how the iOS thing has advertisers flying blind, sprinkling in the rising cost of ads and supply chain issues. I think we have a real entrepreneurial challenge ahead of us. And the bad news is a lot of businesses are going to be washed away over the coming months. The good news is that the ones who adapt are going to come out even stronger. That's why it's important to focus on the things that you can control. Tighten up your website, improve your CRO, collect as much first-party data as you can, and test, test, and do more testing. And if you need help with that, go to our friends at Conversion Fanatics. They're running hundreds of tests in all sorts of industries, so they know what's working now. Check the show notes for the link, or you can visit them at conversionfanatics.com.
Welcome back to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. We're here with Depeche Mandalia, and now it's time for a it's time for our hot seat. Depeche, first question for you: What's your favorite SaaS product or tool, specifically related to media buying? And then zoom out and give us another one. What's the favorite thing for running your business? So for media buying in particular, so it goes back to 2018. I first started dabbling is rules and automations based tools. Now the brand we use is Revealbot. There's many out there. But the ability to automate the most mundane and predictable parts of media buying. And the difference it makes is you can scale your capacity to do media buying when you can create rules behind it. So it's not necessarily that I want to hire less people or don't want a big team, which are also true. But I also like efficiency as well came into this world as a coder and developer in the late 90s and coding websites. And my mind thinks about quick and easy and efficient solutions. That's where it biases. So with tools like Revealbot, if I can write a rule that says, pause this ad if it's not on target and the last three days trend have been bad and things like that, I can train a media buy to do it. But I'd rather a media buy does the research, the avatar, look at competitors, come up with creative ideas, go brief the designer, things that add a ton of value to the whole media buying experience, the campaign management. Not that I'm saying that some of these things don't add value, like pausing an ad that's not working, but they can be scripted. And when you can script it, then you can automate it. And one thing I've seen people make the mistake of is just jumping into rules-based engines and start hacking around with rules. Work it out manually first. Make sure it's actually working with human input. Write it down, say if this, then that, and do this and do that. that it makes all the difference. One of the things I mentioned to you earlier was about pre-iOS 14 on our own e-commerce store, we had testing, optimization, and scaling fully set up as rules within Revealbot. And we were doing about 30K a month in ad spend and scaling. And all the media buying was done by Revealbot. And what that allowed us to do was spend more time. So it was an e-commerce store. It was print on demand. So we'd spend more time coming up with new creative ideas, new niches, new angles, offers, things like that, tweaking the sales funnel. But the media buying was done by a machine. And that's super powerful when I know that machine very rarely will make a mistake. Like it's predictable. And the mistakes are in the logic, which goes back to what you said in the beginning, which is test it out, make sure that it's stress test it manually first. And it reminds me of that real fun Bill Gates quote that everybody likes to throw around, and I'm going to butcher it, but something to the effect of automation applied to an inefficient system will only amplify the inefficiency. And so go make sure that you have an efficient system first before you go run around throwing around automation. And the funny thing is, my first experience of automations was actually Google Ads, like just dropping scripts in to do things. Like My mind was blown. And for years, I was like, why can't we do this in Facebook? And it's taken external tools to come in and create that. Yeah, I've never played with Revealbot. I'm going to, though. This looks super. Appreciate the pro tip. What's zooming out? What's the favorite SaaS product or and specifically one that you think might be an unsung hero? Maybe people haven't heard about before flies under the radar. So I think the obvious one is Zapier. Like that runs so much of our business. Dear God, it's it's the key to the internet. It is. And even something as simple as like when we plug Revealbot into Zapier, we get alerts into Slack so that media buyers don't have to go and check Ads Manager or keep an eye on all that kind of stuff. It's just being pushed back to us. And we have different channels for optimization or results or problems and things like that. So it becomes like Slack's uh, air traffic control system where we can actually see what's happening. And even daily reports go in there. First thing in the morning, when you log in, there are your results for your ad accounts. And that kind of stuff, when you combine those tools together, 
you're reducing someone's time on, right, go into Ads Manager, check the reports, download it, send it out to the team, which we may have done three, four years ago. But the machines are doing that for us. So we can be a lot more efficient in what we're doing as well. So I think that's made probably the biggest difference that we don't need to necessarily have as many VAs and operators to just do some of the kind of basic tasks as well. In the PTSD strategy, what level of automation do you deploy there? I have to assume some RevealBot, some Zapier, or maybe some more. Yeah, so if I walk walk you through as quickly as I can through the process. So it starts with video creation. So for my particular brand, we do one hour of video creation. So it'd be just talking on Zoom or Riverside, whichever app we've got. We'll then cut those videos into 30, 60 second segments automate the publication through Agora Pulse into, I think we do six or seven different social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube Shorts, etc. And then what I do is when that gets published to my Facebook page, I have a RevealBot rule that looks like organic engagement. So it's based on a particular rule looking at, I think it combines engagement as likes, comments, and shares. I can't remember the exact number. I can share that with you guys after. So once so it, it hits a particular... Hits a threshold. Yep. Yeah, it's got a threshold. Once it hits that, then it gets promoted as an ad from that page to a broad audience. And it's set on a particular spend level or impressions. So minimum number of impressions, I think it's like 2,000, 2,500, run as video views. Then when that hits a particular cost per through play, and it's low enough, I think it's 0.03 or something like that, then what, Reveal, what you can do in RevealBot is edit the name of the ad and what we do is add an emoji, so a trophy that says this ad passed. And once that's done, it's very easy to scan those ads that have the trophy and then promote those to a wider audience and just put budget behind them. So that part of it's fully automated. So once I've recorded the video and my video guys publish that into social, I don't worry about those videos. Again, I don't care if a video is good or bad. Some of them are don't get that much engagement. Some of them do really well. It's just a, a game of numbers. So we just publish out all these videos, see what works, theme them, create custom audiences based on those themes. So for example, if I've done Q4 videos around e-commerce scaling, then I'll create an, a custom audience called interest e-commerce scaling. Now, when I serve an ad to those guys, I know what they're looking for. So I can serve a direct response ad, whether it's for the agency or info product or anything like that. And I know what their mindset's already in. And I can create a lookalike from that as well. So it's just funneling that all together to create my own audiences and not worry about our lookalikes not working with pixels so much or Facebook's taken away interests and behaviors have disappeared. I don't care. I imagine that will continue being the case for the next 12, 24 months. But I'm building my own audiences. I'm going broad. I'm using video, using people putting their hand up to say, hey, I like this video. They've watched 25%. They've watched 50%. And then being able to remarket to them with something relevant. It's super interesting. I, I haven't been in RevealBot in probably about a year, but and this would be super cool if they could do it because this is the thing that sometimes like the manual part of it, people forget to do unless there's an SOP is like creating the custom audience can reveal by create a custom audience from a video. I'm pushing them to do that because that would save okay. so much time from that getting my VA to killer. do this. Cause that is, yeah. So that's, so here's what we're looking at and this is what I want them to do. When the videos are published, I want yeah. them to take the hashtag as the angle so like we have hashtags in there already but particular ones then feed into particular custom audiences and honestly the whole thing can be automated it'll be amazing 
it's so close. It's like right there. And then the next step to that is, hey, then create me a 1%, 2%, 3% US-based that, that part they can do. That part they yeah. can do, yeah. Okay, but it's the seeding of that because that's the pro... Like when we were doing our strategy, I'd always forget, oh, I started another video and I got to create that custom audience for it. I go back in and I either missed the window or I couldn't add it to the previous audience if there was automation there because it's a super cool strategy. Like you really are calling out people and I would imagine just wide open audiences, obviously using probably country of origin, I would imagine, like US-based, wide open. What I do is I tier my country. So tier one would be okay. US, Canada, UK, Germany for us in particular. Then tier two would be countries like France, Spain, Netherlands, Italy, and then tier three, rest of the world, minus tier one, tier two. So that's how we look at our kind of data. It's interesting. One of the, th one of the things that we talk so much about and it's back in force now is messaging. What's the message that really resonates with your audience? Who's your avatar? What desire does your product potentially fulfill for them? And then what's the problem standing in the way of them achieving that desire or that, that want, that need? And the issue is always like, how do I, what message do I use in my front facing ads, especially if you're top of funnel? And what we typically say is that you're, what's very directional is go into your page, look into your page insights, go to your page posts, see which ones that you've posted, maybe not the meme on some stupid thing that you might have just put in there, but something that's related back to your product. And then those ads might be the best, not even, they're not even ads yet, they're just posts. Those might be great seed audiences or seeds for an actual ad. In essence, you're really doing that in more of an automated way by triggering all the automations in the back with RevealBot. And then all of those that, that get those higher engagements, those can be recrafted or reformulated around the messaging that resonated with that particular audience. Absolutely. And one of the hidden benefits of all of this is you're constantly feeding the algorithm with good data, good performance. And guess what? Your CPM goes down, the quality of the audiences you can reach goes up, and you're worried less about, all oh, right, now I need to try manual bidding because I want to get better quality audiences. Or I'm a, I, like, for example, like I'm selling into the info product niche. That's generally a super expensive niche. You can get CPMs of $50, $80, for example. We're, we're happily running at $25, $30 CPM, which is cut, undercutting the market by half, if not more at times. And, and that's because of this video content strategy is feeding the algorithm with, hey, this is good content. People are engaging. And when we target them, they're actually clicking and they're not bouncing off the website. They're actually going through a funnel. All of that goes back to Facebook, just like where Facebook got the idea from was on, on Google and the ranking factor of, is this a good ad? One of the big ones was, do people bounce? Do people go through a website and come straight back? Facebook used the same thing. And the less you make people bounce because your ads are relevant, your landing page is good, it feeds into giving you better results. Yeah, absolutely. Super cool. So this is a combo of messaging testing through automation, but also ideation. Oh, I can't think of what I would put in my ad. Just start creating content yeah. that you think might be helpful and useful for you. And in most of these cases, you're just posting it on your page. You're not boosting it with any sort of audience, like a dollar a day kind of strategy. You're just posting it on the page. Whoever is the fans of your page is obviously being served that and probably single digit percentages unless it's really engaging. Yeah. Okay. So you're starting off. So somebody's starting off and doesn't really have much of a following on their page, they might want to put a little bit of money behind it. Agreed. Just to get a little bit of momentum. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. And that's the best market research that you can do. 
<laughs> really it is because it's actual market research because you're going out into the market and seeing what resonates with that market now it always has to be related some way back to what it is that you do is the end state whatever the product is in your case it's agency or training or coaching but this is the thing now i think it's the right message at the right time the right place in front of the right person and that's the hardest thing to do to get a conversion at the top of the funnel. And this is an easy way of doing it. And it's just an extension of the whole, hey, see what's resonating on your Facebook page posts right now. And then those could be a basis for your entire ad campaign that you create. Absolutely. Depeche, thanks for being here, man. I thought this was brilliant. Where can people find you? smcommerce.com or personally on depeshmandalia.com. And then awesome. you can get all the social links. And if you want to follow me, yeah. you can do it from there. I was about to say, if they can't find you, then that's probably... Well, the funny thing is, and, and I say this to my kids as well, because like, my kids like to Google me as well. There aren't many people with my name in the world, which is pretty <laughs> cool as well. <laughs> Easily findable. To those of you listening, thank you so much. We're grateful to you for your time and attention. We want to be the number one podcast in the world. So if there's something we can do better, let us know. There's an anonymous survey you can take, perpetualtraffic.com forward slash better. That's perpetualtraffic.com forward slash better. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating wherever you're listening. Follow Ralph on Twitter at Ralph HB. And follow me at Qasem Aslam. Go back, listen to previous episodes. All the resources and show notes are at perpetualtraffic.com. On behalf of my awesome co-host, Ralph Burns, peace. Until next show, see ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic, 